0: I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about glitches in the Matrix. If you don't know that expression, you are probably an NPC and not worth me explaining it to you. And if you don't know what an NPC is, there's going to be a lot of things on this episode that you probably won't really know what the hell I'm talking about. And I'll be honest, there's things on this episode that I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. It's a fucked up episode is what I'm telling you. But I have a side mission and it's this episode of Paranormal Almanac. Let me pause right here to say smoke them if you got them because this episode is going to spark or perhaps continue some arguments amongst the stoned people out there. But first, as always, we have shout outs to the coolest kids on the the coolest kids in the group, the coolest kids in the block. I don't know what I was trying to say there. We got some shout outs. Shoutouts to the following simulations. Vanessa, Troy, Veronica, Amber, Nick, Manning, Jeff, Megan, Kat, Martin, Lash, Kira, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. Laura, O, Anthony, Jamie, Todd, and Elijah, Hendrickson, Dan, Angie, Matt, Laura, Chuck, Travis, Sarah, David, Nanashi, Michaela, Heidi, Rachel, Lindsay, Juliana, Edgar, Sarah, J-Mark, Carolyn, Jim, Jade, Carolyn, Pablo, Laura, Shanny, Jeff, Dill, Laura, Daniel, Laura, Autumn, and Sean. That's it for the cool kids. You can head on over to patreon.com paranormalalmanac to sign up now like Troy did today. Welcome, Troy and Vanessa and Veronica and Amber and Nick and Manning and all those people I just talked about. Well, they're all on there. They get bonus episodes. They get hangouts as soon as I can figure that out. Uh, the 25ers groups, the people that, uh, that are so generous that they do $25 a month to help me make this show the best I can. Well, they got their shirts sent out to them. They should have them, hopefully, any second now. Um, And more. They're getting coffee mugs and artwork and mini posters, all kinds of cool stuff. It's a fun group. It's a cool group. It's some of my favorite groups. I am so happy that Vanessa reached out to me on paranormalalmanac at gmail.com, and you can too. Vanessa and I had a nice little conversation. She sent me a great email I haven't had a chance to really respond. Don't worry, Vanessa. That response is coming as well. Okay, with that, head on over to Store Envy. Look up Paranormal Almanac for all your Paranormal Almanac holiday gift-giving needs. Will it make it to your house by the holiday? I have no idea. I don't run it. I mean, I run it. It's Paranormal Almanac, but I don't ship stuff out. So I think it will. If you order today, there's a chance... That your loved ones will get the coolest don't fucking shoot Bigfoot mug, if that's what you order, or shirt, or hat, or bags. There's all kinds of stuff, and there's more coming. I have a couple of friends that are helping me to design a couple of fun new shirts for you guys as soon as we get a chance. All right, with that, let's head on over to paranormal news. This first news story, as soon as it came out this week, I was like, I have to get an episode up because I want to talk about this story especially. It's a sad story. I've got some bad news, everybody. The woman that was married to the 300-year-old pirate ghost? Well, they're getting a divorce. Love is lost on this one, everybody. I know, pour pour a little bit out for these people. So she fell in love and married a ghost on a boat off the coast of Ireland in international waters where such events are legal. And it was an incredible marriage. She was so happy. Her name is Amanda Sparrow. She was so happy, but like... Half the marriage is out there. This one, sadly, is heading to divorce. She said, I will explain all in due course, but for now, all I want to say is be very careful. When dabbling in spirituality, it's not something to mess with. She goes on to say, it is well known that people often feel a spirit touch their hands, their face, or their hair. The only difference with having a sexual relationship with the spirit is obviously that the sense of touch goes a lot deeper. You can feel the weight of the spirit, their touch, the pressure. You can literally feel the physical act of what the spirit is doing to you. And the spirit apparently can feel it too. So she married a man named Jack Teague. Her name became Amara, uh, Amara? Amanda Sparrow Large Teague. And even though she wrote a book about it based on a true story about her marriage, well, like I said, sadly, this marriage is now ending in a divorce. Okay, next up in paranormal news... A massive, unexplored cave was discovered in British Columbia. They said it's of national significance. The cave was first located by the Ministry of Forest, Lands, and Natural Resource Operations helicopter personnel. They gotta come up with an acronym, because that's a whole mouthful. The cave has since been studied closely by an expedition team. The team defines the cave as so massive that it's jaw-dropping. The cave is 100 meters by 60 meters, It's about the size of a Canadian football league field. If that helps you, it doesn't help me at all. They say the cave is very deep, extending more more than 100 meters underground, with the first 80 meters being a straight vertical descent. Now, researchers have speculated that this could be the first time the cave has been seen by humans, because there is no record of researchers exploring the cave, and as well as the local people being unable to see the cave, because it was covered in snow year-round until recently. Now, even though this was just discovered, conspiracy theorists out there are going crazy saying it's an underground UFO base. It's how they've been spying on us, that it's the that it's the uh, entrance to the center of the earth, which is a future episode coming up. So I'm not going to go too deep into that. But there's already conspiracy theorists jumping on this ginormous cave that was found in British Columbia, Canada. Next up in paranormal news, it happened today. Just this morning, Virgin Galactic made it into space. So first of all, congratulations to them. It was a fantastic liftoff. I followed it on Twitter as best I could. They landed safely, which is fantastic. So it looks to me like space tourism has a real chance now of being a real thing. So if any of you would like to send me to space, round trip only, I promise to do an episode up there for as long as I can while I'm up there. Okay, so that about does it for paranormal news. Let's get onto the subject at hand. Say what you want about the election and who won, but many people have felt like since that night, something is wrong. Up is down and down is up, not literally. Things that we used to know aren't real anymore or things are just different. Now, yes, I know this might sound like I'm gonna talk about the Mandela effect again, or for the first time, depending on what universe you're from. But this edition is actually about something different. Many people online are using the election and other things as proof of a glitch in the matrix or that we are living in a simulation. Now, in case you don't remember during the Oscars in 2017, La La Land was wrongly given the best film award meant for moonlight. Now, nothing like that had ever happened before. And while some people are saying it's just a simple mix-up, if you watch the footage, it does seem like something glitched. In fact, some conspiracy theorists even point out that the supposed wrong card can be seen on camera in the audience while they're reading it on stage, and that there's no way it was a simple card mix-up, which is what the Academy's explanation was. So for some reason, something happened in 2017 with the election, with La La Land, and if you're into sports, some people are saying that the improbable late comeback by the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl showed we're living in a matrix and something has gone wrong with the controllers. So with that, let me say, yes, I'm combining the glitch in the matrix and the we live in a simulation conspiracy theories together, but it's only because they crisscross so much. And just like the matrix deja vus are actually a glitch in the matrix. So you need to pay attention to deja vus, just like in the movie. So before I get into theories, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a second. And we're back, so let's get to those theories first. Now the theory is known as the simulation hypothesis, and it argues that what we experience as reality is actually a giant computer simulation created by a more sophisticated intelligence, or computer, or AI, Or by future us. Now I'll get into some of those theories and a little bit later but this computer simulation was built by someone or something. Now I'm talking all of reality. Everything you can see, everything you can touch, including the earth and the universe. Everything. It's all an artificial simulation. A computer game if you will. Now this simulation is what we've always known. So unlike the Mandela effect, where there was some kind of schism or we spiked off to a separate universe or an alternate universe, or some of us have and some of us haven't. The computer simulation theory is we've always been a computer simulation as far as we know. So basically, we are the Sims and someone is programming and controlling us. Now, some versions of this theory rely on the development of a simulated reality. The thing about this is, that the inhabitants of the simulation, that's us, have to be convinced the simulation is real for it to work. And if this theory sounds familiar, it's because it's the basis of the Matrix. It's been talked about on Fringe, in books, and a lot on the internet. It's a growing popular theory. And I mean it is really growing. To do this episode has taken me a few months and a ton of rabbit holes. So now that we know kind of know what it is, where did it come from? It seems that it gained popularity from Nick Bostrom. Now, I'll get to who he is in a second, but I'm not saying he created this theory, because I can find hints of it for a long while now. But Nick seems to have solidified it, and now that technology has increasingly and quickly gotten to a point where it could be real, Nick Bostrom's theories seem to be the most argued or the most relevant theories, I guess is the best way to say it. Okay, with that said, who is Nick Bostrom? Well, he's a Swedish philosopher at the University of Oxford. And up until this, he was best known for his work on existential risk. He's also known for the Anthropic Principle, which is a philosophical consideration that observations of the universe must be compatible with the conscious and sapient life that observes it. Seems pretty straightforward. He is also best known for human enhancement ethics, which are the ethics raised from human enhancements, which is a growing field. That one kind of makes sense to me as well. There are going to be a lot of ethics that are raised from continually enhancing humans, either before birth or after birth. He is also known for superintelligence risks, which is the theory that I may be super intelligent. He's also known for the reversal test, which, I gotta be honest, sounded boring, so I didn't write it down. Um, It's something about destroying the status quo because the status is not quo. But let's focus on the simulation theory for this episode. Now, Nick Bostrom said in 2003, many works of science fiction, as well as some forecasts by serious technologists and futurologists, predict that enormous amounts of computing power will be available in the future. So far, I understand it, and I agree with him. He goes on to say, Let us suppose for a moment that these predictions are correct. Okay, they're correct. We are. Computing power is growing exponentially. There's a theory behind that, but I don't want to get into that. He continues to say, One thing that later generations might do with their super powerful computers is run detailed simulations of their forebears or of people like their forebears. Because their computers would be so powerful, they could run a great many such simulations. Now suppose that these simulated people are conscious, as they would be if the simulations were sufficiently fine-grained, and if a certain quite widely accepted position in the philosophy of mind is correct. So basically what he's saying there is, these simulations, because these computers are so powerful, These simulations are so ingrained, so precise, that the simulation people are essentially conscious. He goes on to say, Then it could be the case that the vast majority of minds, like ours, do not belong to the original race, but rather to people simulated by the advanced descendants of an original race. It is then possible to argue that if this were the case, we would be rational to think that we are likely among the simulated minds rather than among the original biological ones. And finally, he says, therefore, if we don't think that we are currently living in a simulation, we are not entitled to believe that we will have descendants who will run lots of such simulations of their forebears. So yeah, um, first of all, thanks for taking me down that rabbit hole, Nick. I got to say, so far, I kind of agree with what he says. Computer simulations are getting so advanced. Computers are getting so advanced. Who's to say that in the very near future, they won't be advanced enough, or perhaps even now, they won't be advanced enough to run a simulation that is so precise, it is indistinguishable from real life for the simulation people. Okay, so let's break down what Nick just said. He proposed something called a trilemma or the simulation argument. Now I'm gonna let him explain it because frankly, if I did it, I would sound drunk or stoned. In fact, every time you get confused, take a drink or a hit. Every time this makes you think maybe we are in a simulation, take a drink or a hit. Ready? Okay. So Nick Bostrom's simulation argument does not directly argue that we live in a simulation. Instead, the trilemma argues that one of three unlikely seeming propositions is almost certainly true. 1. The fraction of human-level civilizations that reach a post-human stage, and that is one that's capable of running high-fidelity ancestor simulations, is very close to zero. So the chance of them reaching that stage is relatively close to zero. Basically what he's saying here is that we get to a point of this technological achievement and ultimately destroy ourselves with the technology we created. Or destroy the earth because of the technology we've created. Number two. The fraction of post-human civilizations that are interested in running ancestor simulations is very close to zero. Or the fraction of all people with our kind of experiences that are living in a simulation is very close to zero. So that's the trilemma. Those three. One of those three are happening or have happened. So it points out basically that a technologically mature post-human civilization would have enormous computing power, even if a tiny percentage of them were to run ancestor simulations the total number of simulated ancestors, or sims as I like to call us, in the universe, or multi-universe, whatever you want to call it, would greatly exceed the total number of actual ancestors. So, the sims would outnumber the creators. Ultimately. Confused? Well, essentially it's this. If the third proposition is the one of those three that is true, and almost all people with our kind of experiences live in simulations, then we are almost certainly living in a simulation. One of those three things, probability speaking, have to be true. And ultimately, we are almost certainly living in a simulation. So, boom, we're all in a simulation, yay. Want me to break it down a little bit more? I don't blame you. Okay, we are almost certainly living in a simulation. Ultimately, his argument is one of these three things have to happen just because of the way humans are and the way technology is. If one of those three things happened, we are almost certainly living in a simulation. That's about as dumbed down as I can get it. Now, Bostrom states that he personally sees no strong argument for which of the three trilemma propositions is the true one. He says, if one is true then we will almost certainly go extinct before reaching post-humanity. Again, we'll kill ourselves with the technology we've created or how badly we've ruined the Earth before we get to the simulation point. If two is true, then there must be a strong convergence among the courses of advanced civilizations so that virtually none contain any individuals who desire to run a simulation. So basically, we will run these simulations one day, no matter what universe we live in. If three is true, and um, it, we're almost done. Stick with me just a little bit longer. I swear it's going to get fun at the end. If three is true, then we almost certainly live in a simulation. Bostrom has run into arguments for this theory, but says, I note that people who hear about the simulation argument often react by saying, okay. I accept the argument that we might live in a simulation and it's obvious that it's a possibility, either one, two, or three that proves it. But he notices that different people pick a different option, either one, either two, or either three. Some people think it's obvious that one is true while others think two or three is true or whatever. So no matter which trilemma they pick, the end result is we live in a simulation. Now, again, hold on for just a little bit more and I'm done with Bostrom and his craziness. Bostrom continues to confuse me with this statement. Unless we are now living in a simulation, our descendants will almost certainly never run an ancestor simulation. So, yeah, if we are currently in a simulation, our descendants then get to the point to run the simulation, but won't run the simulation because we are a simulation and therefore we don't need to run a simulation. (sighs) This was where my ears started to smoke, and I just basically said, ERROR, over and over again for a while. So, we're done with Bostrom. Yay! We live in a simulation. Yay? Okay, so that's what he thinks. But it's not over for us yet. We might be real. Now remember, this is an IF. And it is a big IF, because he's smarter than me, and probably most of you, but it is logically sound, and... He's not the only one to think it. So let's hear it from other people that aren't Bostrom trying to confuse us. We have physicist Paul Davies who agrees it could happen, but only in the multiverse everything has happened kind of a way. Okay, cool. Everything has happened anyways, so this one doesn't worry me or bother me. In fact, I agree that every decision we make slices the future into different paths and all of those paths have happened over and over infinitum. Somewhere out there, there's a Kurt and a Stitch who are in a simulation. I'm fine with that. Enjoy that one, Kurt. It might be me. I don't know. Who else is out there? Well, well Elon Musk said, there's a billion to one chance we're living in base reality, in real reality. Now his argument goes that the incredibly fast advancement of video game technology indicates we'll be capable of creating a fully lifelike simulation of an existence in a very short span of time. He goes on to say in 40 years, we've gone from Pong to massively multiplayer online games with millions of simultaneous players, games with photorealistic graphics and stand now on the cusp of a new wave of virtual and augmented reality experiences. He says, if you assume any rate of improvement at all, then games will become indistinguishable from reality. Even if that rate of advancement drops by a thousandth from what it is now, let's just imagine it's 10,000 years in the future, which is nothing on the evolutionary scale. He says, given that we're on the trajectory, and these games are increasingly playable on any device, the odds are, We aren't living our lives in base reality. That is real reality. It's one in billions. So he's basically saying it's a billion to one. We aren't in a simulation right now. Billion to one. Elon Musk. Who else do we have? Well, we have the always famous and awesome, but sadly just passed away, Stephen Hawking. His final paper was about the multiverse and in a way about how we're probably living in a simulation. Again, it's an everything has happened kind of a way, but yes, simulations are one of the probabilities. Who's next? Neil deGrasse Tyson? Well, he said it's possible to simulate a universe in some way at some point in the future. Then we have to assume that on an infinite timeline, some species somewhere will simulate the universe. And if this universe will be perfectly or near perfectly simulated at some point... Then we have to examine the possibility we live in such a universe. He goes on to say, on a truly infinite timeline, we might expect an almost infinite number of simulations to arise from an almost infinite number or civilizations. And indeed, a sophisticated enough simulation might be able to let its simulated denizens themselves run universal simulations. And at that point, all bets are officially off. So. So he takes it one farther, that we might be a simulation. We might control the simulation. Our descendants would then make a simulation of a simulation and like a copy of a copy of a copy. Now, Neil deGrasse Tyson and theoretical physicist Brian Green, who is co-founder of the World Science Festival, talked about this on one of Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcasts. They suggested three pieces of evidence to look out for To suggest what and where we are is not the real deal. Okay, this is important. He said to look out for three pieces of evidence. They say basically look out for glitches. Brian Greene says, real universes don't have glitches, but computers can have them. Neil deGrasse Tyson puts the odds at 50-50 that our entire existence is a program on someone else's hard drive, but he says, I think the likelihood may be high. But I say to that, if it's a really good simulation, it should be able to be rewound. Erase the memory of the glitch, fix it, and then the simulated beings have no memories of it ever happening. So if you see a glitch, if it's a simulation and a good enough one that makes us think we're in real life, the simulation itself should be able to rewind and make you forget that glitch. So a glitch is a good thing that we aren't in a simulation, which is odd because glitches only happen in simulations. Ah, this stuff drives me crazy. Secondly, a simulation so advanced would not allow the beings inside it to prove that it's a simulation, as we will likely never be able to do. Finally, the two state when scientists can run the most advanced simulations, it would lead to mass power shortages in the original universe as each universe powers what is being simulated inside that universe. Now, Dr. Green also suggests that we look back at the creation of our universe, adding that the math surrounding the Big Bang does not add up. So, okay, we're going back that far for this episode. He says, We used to consider the Big Bang a singular event that gave rise to one universe, but the math shows... You don't use up all the fuel in a single big bang. In fact, the bang itself winds up generating more of the fuel, which generates other bangs or other universes. Okay, kinda makes sense to me. I kinda know what to look out for, but uh, what do I know? I'm only a simulation of a podcast host and I have the reviews to prove I'm only a simulation of a podcast host. I guess ultimately, if you wanna find out what we should really be looking for, those three things, You should talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, many people in Silicon Valley have also become obsessed with the simulation hypothesis. In fact, two tech billionaires recently have gone so far as to secretly engage scientists, not so secretly, it's all over the internet, engage scientists to work on breaking us out of the simulation. What happens if they do? And here's my question to them. Why would they want to, if they're in the simulation, why would they want to break us out of the simulation? They're billionaires in the simulation. You stay in the fucking simulation and enjoy your virtual billions. You're the dumbest Sims out there. You should be spending all of your money going, crap, I'm an, I'm a simulation, I gotta spend all this money and just spend the money and enjoy fucking life, man. Now, people can use mathematics as proof of a simulation, but frankly, I hate math and can't prove the equations are right. So if you wanna go down that rabbit hole, Feel free because I promise you no math in this podcast. Do the homework on the simulation theory after you've listened to this, and I expect you to show your work, people. So that's what smart people say. So let's talk about the many theories that wrap up into this or try to explain this. We've passed all of the high tech talk. Now let's talk like we're all high. The first theory may be a problem for some. So so here we're going to go down a religious rabbit hole in regards to the simulation. Are you ready? Here it goes. God is dead, and since he created the simulation and is no longer watching over it, it is breaking down all around us, hence the glitches. Well, that's a cheery thought. I guess to ease this for some people, maybe God got Red Dead Redemption 2, got bored with the Earth simulation game, so he's off playing that and ignoring our game, and we're glitching like crazy because of that. And if it helps, here's someone's thoughts, here's someone on the internet's thoughts about God and the simulation. They say in Christianity, a God creates the world just like the people running the simulation created us. In Buddhism, you were reborn into another body, just like you could be respawning in the simulation or maybe living again when they run the simulation again, or you have achieved immortality by just going into the simulation itself. So I guess ultimately, whether you believe in God or not, if we are truly a simulation and something created that simulation, then that being, whether it's a person or an AI, would be our God. Therefore, God exists. So boom, I proved God. Okay, let's move on to another theory. This next theory is drugs. See, I got your attention after that whole math thing, right? Okay, this drug theory is this. The experiences people have when taking shrooms or LSD can cause people to get a whole new outlook on what is, quote, real. Many people report an awakening or seeing beings and having the sensation that they're waking up from something. Maybe perhaps even waking up from the simulation and entering the true reality. Instead of a red pill or a blue pill that doesn't really do much for you, try shrooms, LSD, or even DMT and wake up, even if it's temporarily, from the simulation. Please note I am not telling any kids to try shrooms, LSD, DMT, any drugs, alcohol, or anything. This is just a podcast. Don't take any advice from me. Okay, everyone take a hit, drink, tab, shroom, whatever. Let's move on to the next theory. CERN caused the glitch in the simulation. Finally, we get to CERN on this one, which has been blamed for everything from bringing hell to earth, to ripping the universe apart, to ripping some people out of this universe and into a similar yet different parallel universe a la the Mandela Effect. Thanks, science. Because of CERN, their crazy batshit experiments they're doing at CERN, they caused the simulation. How? Theory doesn't really go on to say that. So, So this one, take it with a grain of salt as with everything else in this episode, but this one, not really well thought out in my mind. The next theory out there, I don't believe at all, but I like it, so I added it to this episode. That theory is, the world did end in 2000, in the year 2000. Y2K for you young kids. But, we were backed up in an apocalypse scenario that's just playing out, and since it was an emergency and in the year 2000, it wasn't finished, hence the glitches, and as we go past the year 2000 in the simulation, it gets glitchier and glitchier. It's a fun one. I don't know if I... It's a fun one. I don't buy it, but, you know, fun nonetheless. Okay, so you've heard why it's real, and who believes what, or who doesn't believe what, and some batshit crazy theories about it, but does anyone think it's not real? Well, thankfully, yes. Just not as many people that think it is real. That bums me out. But, a recent study by theoretical physicists from Oxford University in the UK, which was published in the journal Scientific Advances definitively confirms that life and reality aren't products of a computer simulation. Huzzah, we're real again. The researchers led by Zohar Ringel and Dimitri Kavrizi, I don't know if I said that right, but you know, they're all simulations, so it doesn't matter. Well, they arrived at this conclusion by observing a novel link between gravitational anomalies and computational complexity. Lost already? Me too, let's continue on. According to the new research, creating such a large simulated universe is practically impossible. The simple reason? There's not enough particles in the known universe that could sustain the computing power necessary for a simulation of this scale. The Oxford team checked by asking what it would take to construct a computer simulation powerful enough to exhibit quantum many-body effects. For those uninitiated in quantum speculation, (coughs) me... That refers to physical problems requiring large amounts of interacting particles. Specifically, they tested an anomaly known as quantum Hall effect using a technique called quantum Monte Carlo, which is a computational method that uses random sampling to study complex quantum systems, blah, blah, blah. Here's the deal. Ultimately, breaking it down for them. There isn't enough material out there to create such a great simulation like ours down to the subatomic level. It's just too much detail. We don't have the resources in the real world, whether this is the real world or not. And their theory, in this real world, we don't have enough resources to create a simulation so advanced. So there's that. Science is also saying, as much as science is saying it's true, science is also saying it can't be true. Let me personally say that maybe we are living in a simulation. How does this knowledge change anything in this simulation right now? I still have to work to make money to live. Whether it's real or I'm a sim, I still have to do it. So to continue my possibly artificial life, I have to do the things I'm already doing. Knowing it's a simulation doesn't break me out of the simulation or help me achieve Neo-like matrix powers. I still want the things I want. I still need the things I need. And I lack the things I lack in this simulation. It doesn't change anything. I still got to go to work tomorrow, no matter what. Okay, so we know what the theory is, we know what the evidence is for it, and the evidence is against it. And the one thing to look for are glitches. So I thought, let's have some fun now. There was a way too much science in this episode, if you will. I thought, let's have some fun and read some glitches people have had. Now, first of all, let me say, I can't prove any of the following stories are real. These are just stories that I found in comments all over the internet. But anyhow... Here are some of the best of the internet real life glitches in the matrix or things that prove we're in a simulation. The first one says, One evening, a man and his wife returned home from dinner. When he opened the door, he saw his wife sitting at the computer doing work, which is a normal sight when he gets off work, except for the fact that she was entering the house with him. When they went to bed, he told her that he'd unexplainably seen her sitting at the computer earlier, and she got very serious, then told him that when he opened the door, She saw herself sitting at the computer too. Why neither of them said, Hey honey, or hey me, why the fuck am I over there, or why the fuck are you over there, I don't know, but creepy nonetheless. Alright, this next one. An off-duty EMT was driving home through a storm when he noticed a Mercedes parked past a barricade with its hazard lights on. He stopped and walked over to it, shining his light in the back seat, where he saw a man slumped over as if he were sleeping. Now, initially, he thought it might have been a car full of drunks, but in the driver's seat was a man sitting upright, staring straight ahead. He didn't blink, move, or respond to taps on the window, and the other passenger was slumped forward on the dashboard. Now, creeped out, rightfully so, he stepped away to call the sheriff's station. Now, dispatch asked him for a license plate number, but when he went back to check, a large truck was coming down the road, so he waited for it to pass. When it did pass... The car was suddenly gone. There were trees in one direction and barricades in the other, leaving this EMT driver to wonder how in the world this car and its weird occupants could have simply vanished. Next up, several years ago, I woke up in bed next to my now ex-girlfriend and we had a conversation in fluent French. I got up, got in the shower, and as the water started pouring, I realized neither of us spoke French. When I got out, I asked her about it. She remembered it happening, but was as confused as I was. I can't even remember what we talked about because I don't fucking speak French. That's a great one. This next one is, me and my friend were at a Chinese restaurant and we ordered General Cao chicken dinner and a shrimp lo mein dish. When we sat down, we took out both boxes and set them on the table about two feet apart. My friend opened the first box and we see shrimp lo mein dish. It has all the things in there, the noodles, the shrimp, the fried rice. He closed the box, opens the other box. Inside that box is another shrimp lo mein dish. Shrimp, noodles, fried rice, everything. He goes on to say, oh, they must have mixed up the order. I was about to say this when my friend says out loud, looks like they made a mistake and gave us two. As he opened the first box again, inside is general sal chicken, white rice, egg roll, everything, chicken, you name it. He froze and looked at me. I looked back at him and we sat in silence. It took us five minutes or so to collect ourselves. I have no idea what the fuck happened. The next one says, I knew my uncle had died. My mom had called me and told me the news. It was very sad. She told me in the middle of work and I told one of my coworkers. He expressed condolence on my loss. A couple of weeks later, my sister mentioned my aunt and uncle doing something. I said, but my uncle's dead. And the sister said, no, he wasn't. So I called my mom who said, no, he wasn't dead. To this day I'm still not sure how much of it my brain imagined and how much was real. Did I really talk to my coworker? Was I even on the phone with my mom that day? It still freaks me out knowing that my mind could fabricate something so complete and so real like that. The next one says, every morning on his way to work a man would pass through a shopping mall and on one of the benches he saw an elderly man who appeared to be waiting for someone. He said he was fairly normal looking guy though he sometimes wore a piece of attire that wasn't particularly stylish like a golfer's cap, loggers boots, or a vest. Every morning, for four years, he'd see this man, but he never actually witnessed him meeting anyone. Then this guy got a new job located on a completely different part of town. Only a few days into working the new job, he walked out of the subway, and to his surprise, he saw the exact same guy sitting on the bench. It's kind of weird. This next one, I spilled chocolate ice cream on my leg. I wiped it off and there was still a pale brown stain in the shape of the ice cream splotch. I told my mother who said it was a birthmark. I will swear under oath that never before that moment did I have a birthmark there. This next one says, Every once in a while I have dreams about places or people I've never seen. Then about six to seven months later, I'm in that place or with the people and I have deja vu. I also sing random songs even when something else is playing on the radio then the next song that plays is the one I was singing. I've done this on mine, my best friend, and my girlfriend's iPods on shuffle many, many times, and it freaks them the fuck out every time. This one goes on to say, One super weird thing, one super weird thing, though, that happened in about 2012. I was 19 and living at home with my parents and my younger sister still. I came home from work at my job at a barbecue place, and my sister says to me, Oh, I thought you said you were off today. I'm confused because I left at 5 a.m. before anyone, anyone was awake, and I asked her, when did I say that? And she says to me, um, like two hours ago in your room. She thinks I'm screwing with her, so I tell her to smell me because you can smell the barbecue sauce and the smoke on me. Then she gets really creeped out and tells me, She had went into my room earlier and seen me in bed with covers up to my neck and had a 15 minute conversation with me. She says that really creeped me out and I never felt comfortable in that room ever again. This next one says when I was like 10 or 11, I was going to the beach with my aunt and her friends. There were two cars of us. To get there, we had to go through a large industrial area. We didn't know the direction, so our car was following the other car. Suddenly, they did an unexpected turn, so our driver had to take a sharp turn on a bend, on a sharp bend. In that moment, we heard a very clear, loud voice inside the car laughing, saying, Sharp bend, huh? The driver immediately hit the brakes. We looked at each other, puzzled. We all recognized it as a voice, but not belonging to any of us. At the exact same time, we noticed that the other car had stopped as well. The other driver got out of the car, with a scared face and shouted to us, did, did you hear that as well? They heard the exact same thing inside their car that we heard in ours. The area around was fully deserted. That one could just been a ghost laughing at him. Who knows? This next one says, When I was a teenager, I told my brother about a really freaky dream I had about an airliner breaking up and crashing into a field near our town. He looked at me astonished and asked, Was it flying over the college? After a few more questions, we worked out we had pretty much the exact same dream on the exact same night about a commercial airliner flying over this specific college in a specific direction, exploding into flames, and then falling into the exact same field. He said it was very strange and no planes have ever done anything like that, at least not yet. But how do you explain the shared dream? I don't know. Okay, this next one says, when I was about nine, I was eating dinner in my room for some reason. I was sat at my dresser that had a really big mirror, and my dad came in to check on me. He asked me if I wanted some more tea, to which I said yes, and handed him my cup. I watched him walk out and close the door, and then looked over to see my cup full of tea right from where I picked it up. I asked my dad about it. He said he never came in my room. I was about to debunk this one by saying, well, the dad might have had a pot of tea in his hand and just filled it up, and the kid didn't see it, but the whole... The dad saying he never came to the room? Okay, that's a glitch, it's kinda weird. This next one, one day I was walking to work and all of a sudden I had an urge to walk a different path than usual. I worked downtown in a big city and they said it was a strange spur of the moment urge to walk a different way that changed my life forever. I turned into an alley I'd never seen before. As I remember it, I made it about 15 feet or so when an actual glitch happened. Everything in my mind scrambled. I felt like I didn't have a body anymore Just that I was a semi-conscious entity floating through some weird dimension. All of a sudden, in an array of different colors and shapes, a vision came to me. It was a bunch of strange-looking people that, in my mind, resembled businessmen in suits. They looked startled and panicked that I could see them, and one of these, quote, people made a quick movement and everything turned to black. When I regained consciousness, or everything became normal again, I was on a completely different street. It was the same street that I always used to walk to work. I felt sick and severely disturbed and depressed. I've never done any hard drugs, never experienced any hallucinations, never had anything like this happen to me before. The weird thing is, when the glitch was correcting itself and I could see these, quote, people watching me like a caged animal, I had a feeling that I knew I was being controlled. It still bothers me to this day. The next one says, a long time ago, I had a conversation with an old workmate who described much the same thing. The detail is hazy, but he said one day he was in his house when he felt a sudden need to go outside and stand on the lawn. He explained it was the strongest, clearest feeling ever, and on doing so, he experienced a sort of wobble, he calls it. He said that everything was screwed up for a moment, and he experienced a feeling of detachment, outsideness, and when it passed, He turned and went right back inside. Now, while talking to me, he got quite upset at this point and asked me not to think him crazy, but he said the next thing he ever, he said the next thing he saw was his car parked in the street and it was the same model and registration, but a different color. He was so thrown by this and then more so because his wife came out and asked what he was doing and he said he realized she was in all appearance his wife, but somehow not his wife. He said from that point on, she liked foods she claimed to hate before, and sometimes brought up memories he had zero relations to things they had done in the past. He said things like his route to work was still the same, but somehow different. He said that there were buildings on the way he had either missed in the six years he'd been driving past them five days a week, or had just appeared overnight. He even said some people he remembered from other departments in work had just vanished, and asking about them brought total incomprehension from other people. This story goes on to say he was a totally regular, healthy guy, but he said he measured his life in relation to that afternoon. There were things that happened before the change and everything afterwards. He said he he went on to say he was now living his life with a feeling that about 15% of it had spontaneously changed that afternoon. Now a lot of people attribute this story to something called capgrass. Capgrass? C-A-P-G-R-A-S. Capgrass delusion is a psychotic disorder in which a person holds delusion that a friend, spouse, parent, or other close family members, or even pets, have been replaced by an identical imposter. The Capgras delusion is classified as a delusional misidentification syndrome. Cases in which patients hold the belief that time has been warped or substituted have also been reported present following a seizure. Many Capgras patients have times of clarity when they can identify, feel comfortable with the people they know, like 30% of the time, as opposed to 70% of the time. So a lot of people think that this story, this guy and what happened to him is an example of this seizure or this delusion, which is very interesting and might be a debunk on this particular one, but there's no way to prove it unless this guy went and got checked after the fact and was determined to have cap grass or have had a seizure. Still, I wanted to add that because it was an interesting explanation for a very bizarre story that, in my mind, sounds more like the Mandela effect and not like some weird delusion. Okay, this next one says, When I was about 10, I was trying to toss the cereal box to the top shelf and kept missing. The last time I threw it, it was obvious it wasn't going to make it, and then it just floated the rest of the way up. Me and my brother made eye contact and ran to our room. It goes on to say, to everyone saying that the cereal inside the box made it push the rest of the way, I understand what you're saying, but this was like two to three shelves that it was pushed up, and the tiny amount of force wouldn't have been enough. This next one says, about a year ago, my girlfriend and I went went to eat dinner at Chipotle. It's in a smallest shopping area with a burger joint and a payway neighboring the Chipotle, P-E-I-W-E-I, I don't know what it is. One of those upper classy type of shopping areas, the writer says. They say, we pulled into the parking lot in front of the establishments at about 5 p.m. on Friday evening to find an empty parking lot. There were no tables outside and there were no cars in the parking spots, not a person in sight, and even the lights inside the buildings were off. Completely confused, I took the car in sort of a loop around the building in order to leave. The only thing of interest was a single fire truck parked alongside the building, headlights on, but no emergency lights and no one in the truck. It struck us a little odd Maybe there was a fire in the building and that's why no one was there. As we pulled around the backside of the building and then finished looping around, we drive past the front facade of the building. Except this time, every parking spot is full, tables are outside with patrons at them, and food half eaten. There's people walking around and the lights inside the buildings are all on. But the fire truck was gone. Now mind you, it took less than 30 seconds to make a circle around the building. Easily one of the strangest things ever. Very Matrix glitchy. This next one is a really quick one-liner, but still kind of cool. It just says, I saw the map of my country change, right in front of my eyes. No doubt in my mind that I'm in a game right now. The next one says, I broke through to the other side on a huge dose of mushrooms. The breakthrough sounded like a 50s UFO kind of hum. Now on the other side, I met beings They were made of light, that telepathically told me this is a computer simulation the main purpose of which is to let us, quote, feel what it's like to have a physical body. These beings had a control panel with a dial. The dial was simultaneously controlling the space-time continuum and my consciousness. This happened a few years ago, and after this event, I have experienced lots of sinks, Mandela effects, glitches, and paranormal events, including seeing my father literally teleport. So think what you want about that last one. This next one says, I have to preface this with some backstory about a man named Zeus. Now Zeus had a reputation around Knoxville, Tennessee as a bit of an eccentric character. My brother had told me stories about him making people pass out just by whispering in their ear, giving people glass pendants and saying, this is the color of your soul. Just generally unusual stuff. He was thought of as a magic man of sorts. Well, long story short, my brother and I were walking through the Westtown Mall when we saw him. Now, let me tell you, this guy is incredibly recognizable. I'm talking a six foot five African American guy with a gray goatee, nose piercings, and at least four rings per finger. He also carried a staff and wore a floor length black duster jacket with huge ass buckles on the front of it. So we saw Zeus, we saw him walking just a bit ahead of us, and then turned towards an exit. Naturally, we lost sight of him for probably 60 seconds at most after he turned the corner and left the mall. The weird thing was, after my brother and I passed that exact same exit, and not more than about 30 seconds later... We came upon another exit and entrance on the other side of the mall, when all of a sudden out pops Zeus. Now this is a big place. It would have taken five minutes to walk the length of the mall for him to pop out from one side and then pop in through the other. There is absolutely no way he could have made it to the opposite side of the place in time in the time that he did. Even if he was sprinting or somehow able to go up and over the building, 60 seconds is not enough time. I am convinced that Zeus teleported. This next one is very long and very complicated. Basically, this family went on a vacation. They were staying at a hotel. They were staying on the seventh floor. This girl went downstairs to go swimming and then then pushed the button on the elevator to go back up to the seventh floor. She said, there's only one elevator in this hotel. Once I got to the seventh floor, which I knew by the signs outside the elevator, I went to the second door to the left, like I had 20 times before that week. I knocked and I knocked. Nothing. I remember becoming weirdly alarmed at this point, and it's the best way I can describe it, even though I was smart enough to know I could always just return to the lobby, or that my mom would be returning shortly. While wondering why my grandma wasn't answering the door, I returned the few feet to the elevator. There, I waited for my mother and brother who were also swimming at the time. I saw on the display that the elevator was arriving on the seventh floor. Which was the floor I was on. It was clearly written on the sign. I see the light, I hear the elevator ding, the door's open, and it's empty. At this point, for some reason, I feel very odd. I feel something's off. I return back to that door and I start knocking and crying now. Getting cold because I'm still very wet from the pool. Finally, after no more than a minute, a very old woman answers the door and says, Dear, I told you already yesterday, this is not your room. She says, I have never been there yesterday. The old woman says, it will be fine. I'm very sorry, but I'm on the phone with my son. Give it a few more minutes. Your mother is coming. And then this old woman closed the door. The woman writing the story says, I was shocked because I was, she says, I was shocked and I was scared and I was crying at this point. I was a kid who'd lost their mother, especially, I'm a kid who lost their mother in a hotel room and some weird woman was answering the door that I knew was ours. Almost immediately after this old woman closed the door, the elevator opened and my mom ran out crying and grabbed me. She was saying, where were you? I've never been so worried in my life. She then went to open the door. She was stunned. The key didn't work in the door where the old woman just closed it. Now, the whole time I'm trying to explain to my mom that I'd been here and that in my timeline, it had only been about five minutes. So the mom was uh, freaking out. She was hugging her. She went back into the elevator with her and pressed seven again. The doors closed briefly, then reopened. The elevator didn't move at all. Once the doors opened, we both saw my grandmother standing in the second door to the left, crying, and then very happy to see us. Apparently, I had been missing for 45 minutes. The police were called. Every floor had been gone through. They were still in the process of knocking on all the doors and opening even locked and vacant rooms. So, somehow, just going up in the elevator... She went to either a parallel universe or a glitch or something, but who was the old woman? How did she know that it happened before and that she would be fine? It's a very bizarre story. It goes on for a little bit longer, but that's the gist of the story. She says that the police were confused because they went down every floor, couldn't find her. The staff went to every floor, couldn't find her. And the staff, oh, this is a good part. You have to hear this one. The hotel staff pulled up a camera showing me getting on the elevator, but then never getting off. And then what was the creepiest was that when my mother got on from the lobby, you could see her get on and then 10 minutes passed. And then she gets off on the floor seven with her in her arms, in her mother's arms. They went through all the cameras on all the floors, which were very clear angles of the elevator on each floor. And there was nothing. So very, very bizarre story. I liked it. Okay. This next one is A really bizarre thing happened to me today that left me a bit shaken. Earlier today, I went to a doctor's appointment with a sore throat. At the end of my 30-minute slot, I was sitting at the table across from the doctor with her writing out the prescriptions. Suddenly, there was a knock on the door. Without waiting for a response, a man stepped in. He was tall and slightly stooping. He was in his 30s or maybe 40s with balding blonde hair, wearing jeans, and a checkered shirt. The doctor called out something to the effect of, Sir, could you please wait outside? I'll call you back in a few minutes, and resumed writing. The man, however, did not leave right away, but continued silently standing in the doorway for several more seconds. Then out of the side of my vision, then out of my side vision, I noticed there was something strange going on with his face that wasn't there a moment ago. I couldn't make out the details, so I cautiously gave him another look. What I saw is difficult to put into words. The best I can do is describe it as a glitch effect, like a corrupt image in a video file. The man's face was now a blob of a different shades of pink, misshapen and somehow almost pixelated. It goes on to say I was only able to catch a flash of it though, as the man quickly turned back to the door and stepped out. As he was turning, I noticed that in profile, his face looked flat and featureless, like that of a Lego figure. I started to wonder if what I saw was actually real, but then I saw the doctor's eyes, who paused, pen in hand, and asked me hesitantly, Did you see it? His face? I responded, Yeah, and that was it. We didn't discuss it further. She finished filling out my paperwork, I went home, feeling a bit lightheaded, As I left the office, the man was sitting in the corridor outside, occupied with his phone. As far as I could see, his face was perfectly normal. So both the doctor and her saw a glitch face. This next one says, I have a glitch involving a water glass. At my dad's house, we have several sets of drinking glasses, all of the same style and various sizes. I don't know why, but I think they stopped selling them in the UK and we must have got them from France when we were on holiday. They came in a pack of four. My dad remembers having a set of four already and buying two more sets in France to make a total of 12. Well, one day we found a 13th glass and we have no idea where it came from. We couldn't have picked up just a single one anywhere because they only come in sets of four and we'd remember if he bought an extra set and broke three. This next one says, when I was younger, I lived in this apartment complex with my family. So a lot of weird things happened there. I know this is real though because it involves my brother and my sister. I remember me and my little sister going to sleep in my brother's room, and I remember he had this small bedside lamp on the floor next to the door. So as me and my sister were getting ready for bed, we had the light on, and we both remember seeing my cat pass the lamp, and as soon as she did, the light bulb exploded. My other brother was just down the hall, heard the bulb heard the bulb explode, and I remember him saying something along, along the lines of, what did you do to Steve's lamp? After we told him that it was our cat that made it explode, he then told us that was bullshit because my cat was standing right next to him when he heard it. How the cat was in two places at once and what made the lamp explode like it did, I don't know. This next one says, Today was an open lunch day at our older son's school. This is where parents can go in during lunchtime, bring food from outside the school, and eat with their children. Now everything was completely normal. I stopped at my son's favorite fast food place. We went to his school, got into a parking spot, Grabbed the paper sack from the fast food place, got out, locked the van, walked to the pavement where I had to wait for an SUV to pass. I crossed and walked inside. I went to the sign-in table. Two ladies were in front of me. The older son came up and yelled, Mom, hugged me, and I told him to get our spots while I waited to write my name in. And I handed him the bag. I then walked over to where he was sitting with three of his pals at the table. He was pulling out the food. I was saying hi to his friends, asking how their moms were, and if they would be coming in too. I turned to my son, he was taking a bite of his burger, and I was getting back out of my car again, with the paper sack, holding my key fob, pushing the lock button. I swear, I'm not kidding, one second I was inside with my son, watching him take a bite of a burger, the next I was back outside, locking the van. I had the damn bag of food in one hand, keys in the other, and I'd never been so disoriented. I looked around, I didn't walk right to the pavement like before, because I just couldn't grasp what happened enough to move. But from the parking lot, I saw the same SUV pass where it had passed earlier. I felt really awful for some reason, like my heart was just pounding and panicky. I rushed up to the school doors, and the two women who were in front of me before were at the table again. I dropped the bag, which didn't spill luckily, An older son came running up to me yelling mom and he hugged me just like before. Everything was happening all over again except I was nervous and just looking around completely confused by everything. To this day I don't know what happened. This next one is a boy and his mom were in a woodsy area near their backyard taking pictures of old cars to sell. Suddenly there was a rustling in the bushes and his mom told him to run so he ran as fast as he could. As he sprinted he heard a clanking sound as if someone had jumped on the cars. He arrived at the house in a panic, only to find his mom sitting at the table reading the paper. He asked his mother about it as an adult, and while she remembers having cars in the backyard that she sold, she doesn't recall this incident ever happening. He swears it wasn't a dream. This next one is, One evening, a man and his wife returned home from dinner. When he opened the door, he saw his wife sitting at the computer doing work, which is a normal sight when he gets off work, except for the fact that she was entering the house with him. When they went to bed, he told her that he'd unexplainably seen her sitting at the computer earlier and she got very serious, then told him that when he opened the door, she saw herself sitting at the computer too. Why neither of them said, hey honey or hey me, why the fuck am I over there or why the fuck are you over there? I don't know, but creepy nonetheless. This next one is, a guy has a girlfriend of two years named Susan. One night he has a dream that he cheated on Susan with his ex-girlfriend. In the dream, while having sex with his ex, he looked over and standing outside of the window is his mortified girlfriend, Susan, crying. He forgot about the dream, but then a few days later, when he was hanging out with Susan, she told him that she had a weird dream a few days earlier. She then described the exact same dream he had, but from her point of view, looking through a window. This next one is, A guy recalls their dad having a little toy monkey that he used to teasingly say was his favorite child. It was an ongoing joke, and this person and their sibling would always try to steal the monkey, playing into it. One day, they got a hold of the monkey and drew all over it with Sharpie, then threw it in the garbage. They laughed when their dad searched for it, but he gave up when he figured they'd thrown it out. A few years later, now 17 years old, this person was walking down the street in Toronto when he saw an orange monkey on the side of the road. He walked up to it, and it was the exact same toy monkey black sharpie lines and all. He was stunned, unable to figure out how it was possible when their garbage is sent to a local dump that's nowhere near Toronto. This next one is about a guy making hard-boiled eggs. He says he was in the kitchen, he was making hard-boiled eggs, he had 12 eggs in the carton. He took one out, made the hard-boiled egg, went to the trash, peeled off the shell, and when he turned around, there were 12 eggs in the carton again. Now nobody had entered the room while he was peeling them, and yet... He had one egg in his hand and 12 in the carton. And finally, I know we're in a simulation. Why? Because I meditated with two friends under the stars for 30 minutes, holding the intention of receiving acknowledgement from the system. We opened our eyes, and within a few seconds, we were greeted with blinking lights in the sky that were unlike anything we'd ever seen. Absolutely was not a plane, helicopter, drone, or anything like it. It looked like a yellow star that was maybe two and a half times the size of a normal star in the sky and it would blink on and off in different spots of the sky, not across a trajectory, not in any identifiable pattern, just blinking on and off slightly different spots in the sky for a good 30 seconds and then vanished. All three of us witnessed it and it agreed and agreed it was unlike anything we'd ever seen. The fact that it happened immediately after spending 30 minutes meditating with the the precise intention of receiving an acknowledgement from the system was pretty profound evidence for us. Okay, looking at the clock, let's stop there for now. So let me ask you this. Did a being create the simulation? Or did a computer create it? What do you guys think? Who's monitoring it? Is anybody monitoring it? What's causing these glitches? Is it breaking down because no one's monitoring it? Is it breaking down or have these glitches always been there? Is it just part of the simulation, these glitches? But we're starting to notice it. And because we can record it and post about it on the internet more and more, we're starting to notice the similarities or starting to notice the glitches or that we're starting to notice that other people are seeing the same glitches that we're seeing. And finally, let me ask you this question. What does it matter if we're simulations? Like I said earlier, Does this change how you're gonna live your life? Does knowing it's a simulation change anything for you at all? Once again, I'm your Simulation, and this has been Paranormal Almanac. Omer on fall law. so a walk on that get Feel Snake, all on get there, it was fat.